0: Welcome to Set on Sunday, a podcast by Kelleyville Anglican, where we talk about what was said on Sunday, or even what we didn't have time to say on Sunday. We are passionate about being deep in the Word of God and doing life together in community. So thanks for letting us into your week as we learn more about Jesus together. Here's today's episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Set on Sunday podcast. My name's Beck, and I'm the host of the podcast today. And joining me today is our guest preacher from Sunday, Pete. How are you going?
1: I'm well. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, It is a pleasure to have you back. Not that I was here the last time that you were on the podcast, but...
1: No, you were not well. So it's lovely to see you on podcast land.
0: (laughs) Thank you. All right. And we've also got Dan.
1: Hello,
2: hello.
0: Welcome. And Dave. Hello. How are you going?
1: Well, thank you.
0: Very good. Now, Pete, for those who are listening who don't know anything about you, could Mm. you give us a quick rundown about all things Pete? Oh, uh, can I do it? Oh, oh wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, no. Well, I no, may no. regret this, but <laughs> go ahead, Dave. No, 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 Pete. You go, you go. Okay. I- I'll just fill in the blanks. Uh, j- just to explain, uh, Dave and I have known each other for quite some time. I still remember Dave when he was at high school uh, back in the 1800s. So <laughs> we, we've known each other for a while. Um Uh, I'm married to Audrey, Uh, we have three kids, Uh, one's at uni, one's doing year 12 exams as we speak, Mm. and uh, one's in year eight. Uh, I currently work for Reach Australia, uh, which is an organisation that wants to see thousands of healthy, evangelistic and multiplying churches all over our country. Uh, My job is actually to do podcasts, so I feel a bit weird being on the other side of the microphone, (laughs) Uh, and I also um, am involved with developing church planters in that process too. So we um, we I only took this job on in the last uh, nine ten months, and um, we have just moved back to the house that we co own uh, over here in Kellyville. So we're back into the suburb that we know, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, really integrating ourselves into the Kellyville Anglican community.
0: Oh, cool! Mm. So you're joining us?
3: Absolutely, I didn't yes. Know yeah, that. yeah, yeah. What
0: yep. a nice surprise! Um, anything to add to that, Dave?
3: Oh, many things, <laughs> many things. Um. I I just like I would firstly like to apologise to Pete. Uh, he's been waiting for a suckling pig ever since he arrived, and uh, he just he's I don't is know this if a got metaphor. Or like no, <laughs> no no no. I I did an interview with somebody
1: else. Uh, no, I did an interview with somebody else about how they did their welcoming and integration thing, and he said food is really really important. He goes when people turn up for their first that their, their their equivalent of newish. We make sure there's great food. We, you know, we often have a suckling pig ready for them. And I turned up to Newish. Did I even get a donut? No. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think um,
0: <laughs> Dave
1: needs to lift his game a little bit there. Did you write
0: a contact card?
1: I, I, I did not write that on the contact card. I did make it fairly public in the podcast. <laughs> but, um, I was
3: That'll to, probably do it. I was listening to it this morning, um, uh, driving my kids to school. And uh, and when it came on, I said to, I said to the girls, I said that Dave that he just referred to that's that's me And they're like, yeah, come on lift your game, dad like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, so I just want I just want to apologize to Pete. Thank you. So I, I like your girls.
0: Great. <laughs> Very good. Um, all right, so Pete, what did you talk about on Sunday?
1: Yeah, we were uh, we were looking at Psalm 51, uh, which was a, a psalm of confession. Uh, it's a psalm where, Well, David um, has been caught out in a relationship with Bathsheba that he shouldn't have been in. Um, He's also orchestrated her husband's death so that he can kind of cover it all up. But uh, there's a certain point where Nathan uncovers it all and he... um, he decides to bring it all into the light. And so he writes this very public confession, which is what we have in Psalm 51. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend a bit of time talking about how that's not just a psalm for him, that's a psalm for us. We're all in that situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and some of the, the characteristics of sin that led David to write that are the same characteristics we need to, to deal with. But the great news is that's, that's why Jesus came to die. Like, mm-hmm. That's the gospel. We, we are all in that situation but we are all people who have the potential to be saved by Jesus. That's God has done something about it. So that's the great news of the
2: gospel.
0: Mm, yeah, thank you. Um, so our first question is about the relationship between repentance, confession and faith. Mm. What can you tell us about that?
1: I, I, what we saw in that psalm was a, um, a confession. It was an acknowledgement that he had done something wrong. Um, the Bible, uh, particularly in the New Testament, calls us to faith. It calls us to put our trust in what Jesus has done. And, and even the word faith is, can be a confusing term. Um, uh, I'm going to give you a quick lesson in Latin because uh, the Latin kind of breaks it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not many people speak Latin, but um, there, there are three different terms for uh, um, for faith in Latin. One is um, uh, notia, that is I, I'm noting what you're saying. I believe that you think that... Whatever it is. The other two, oh, I can't remember the Latin, but the other two are basically I, uh, I'm, I'm taking on what you're saying um, and so I'm saying, okay, I, 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 I think I'm taking that intellectual idea on mm-hmm. and the third is fiducia, which is I'm actually going to live that out. I'm going to make mm-hmm. a difference in my life. And that's mm-hmm. what the, the Bible is saying is that faith is taking uh, on what Jesus has done on the cross. But that's different. Confession is actually a different thing. It's to say, actually, I need to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need to say that out loud. I need to, to do something. And, and repentance is a third different thing, and that is it's is I'm going to reorientate my life. I'm going to change my life. Um, and, and there's a, a moment in, um, in many people's lives where they've got to do that huge, big, orchestrated, uh, I'm going to change my life around, but then we spend the rest of our lives in a state of repentance. We're mm-hmm. just always finding that sin that doesn't belong and keep moving along. So there are actually three different things, but they mm. all belong in the Christian life and they're all, uh, they're, they're all the right response to Jesus. We, we need to believe, um, mm. we need to confess, we need to repent. Jesus, uh, his first recorded words I think we've got in Mark's gospel is, um, repent and believe for the kingdom of, of God has come. So mm. he's actually, that's what he's really asking us to do.
3: Yeah, mm. yeah I think um, uh, re- repentance and faith uh, go together in the Christian faith. Uh, and if you have um, uh, too much repentance, so to speak, uh, and not enough faith, you, you, your uh, expression of Christianity is slightly skewed. Uh, so if it's all about you got to repent, you got to repent, you got to repent, uh, you sort of tend towards legalism. Uh, and if it's sort of, hey, the only thing that matters is faith and don't worry about, about repentance, you sort of, you know, left in that licentiousness. You can just do whatever you want, sort of version of Christianity. Uh, and um, neither of them sort of capture the biblical truths about what repentance and faith is. Mm. Um, but you need them both in equal parts and equal portions. Uh, and and I think they're the basic tenets of the Christian faith. Um, uh, or what it means to be a Christian is that repentance and faith uh, and throwing a good, you know, mix of
2: confession in there too. And um, I think that's a really healthy thing for us to, to have. Mm. It's interesting. Like there's that, I, like Pete highlighted, there's an interesting thing. There's a progression there of you confess and acknowledge your sin, then you repent of them, and then you have faith and pursue in faith and action, particularly before you, like in the lead up to becoming a Christian and accepting God and following in him, there's an interesting progression. There is a staging in that and one to the other to the other. But then like like Pete healthy pointed out, it's also an, ongo- an ongoing thing as well. So they're separate things but they're also progression things too. It, it's, yeah, mm. you, you can't have one without the other like we've been saying and they're also ongoing to life as well. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of interrelation happening in that relationship there. And I think as well like there's an element of faith in confession. Like mm. when you pour yourself, Mm. Um, Mm. Lay yourself bare before the Lord and our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are having faith that even though God knows anyway, but even though we have laid ourselves bare that um, we are still forgiven and in fact we are forgiven when we confess as the promise of the Bible goes.
3: Do you think there's an order there, Pete?
0: Ooh, I that's like theology 101 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, was, I was
3: keen just to ask you know
0: yeah i I, I don't know
1: have you got thoughts on this because there's the there's the, the sort of the logical order that's there yeah um because you put you know I, I don't know whether lo- I think the order is you know you put your trust in Jesus you I don't know you realize you're a sinner Confess your sin, put your trust in Jesus, and repent. I think that's the, Is that logical or?
3: It feels logical, like,
1: but I don't know whether that's the experience. No, what, what no, do you no. Think? No, yeah.
3: I, I was purely sticking in the sort of logical theological realm as opposed to the experiential. Yeah. Realm, just to sort of go, oh, like, can you repent without faith? Can you repent without confession? Like, they feel like they've got to come before. Yeah. But yeah. that may not be right.
1: Uh, yeah, that's. A, I, I reckon that's an interesting question. Just there, you know, can you repent? without faith yeah and i think there's a sense where you're trying to live out a religious life at that point in time you're trying to do it in your own strength and yes. go ah oh, you know I, I need to get my life together i need to do this but you're actually not doing it as an outflowing of the grace that's been given to you and you you'll never win that game so yeah mm. that's, a, that's an interesting question
0: mm. yeah. i think repentance and faith are two sides of the one coin um the way that i've Heard it taught is that um, repentance is a turning away from sin, and faith is a turning toward Jesus. Mm. So you don't really do one before the other; it's all <laughs> part of the same experience. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I think. I think in terms of experience, we often, it, and it may be a little different for different people, but yeah, mm. yeah that certainly is. I think. And the there's a
0: heavenly best. perspective on what's happened spiritually, yeah, as opposed to our how we experience it. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Mm. Okay, um, question two. Verse 4 in the text says, against you only have I sinned. Can we sin against others? And what does this mean for forgiveness between people?
1: So verse 4 was really a a big focus in in, um, David's confession that he's saying, I I realise at the end of the day um, I have done these wrong things, but actually God is my judge. And so he's acknowledging that that relationship is different to the other relationships that he probably needs to address. So that when he says against you only have I sinned, it's a different level of um, confession that he's got to address there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that doesn't mean um, that there aren't times where we do actually need to forgive others or actually seek other people's forgiveness. Um, Matthew uh, 5.23, for example, uh, Jesus actually tells us it's not if if you've been sinned against. He goes, if someone else has something against you, Mm. you need to go and sort that out. Uh, So the obligation is on you. Um, but there is uh, the, the forgiveness that we show others. I think it's actually really hard. It's a really complex thing. Uh, we're often told you need to forgive as God has forgiven you. And the problem is our experience of forgiveness from God is quite easy. It's been God has done it all. And so we think forgiving others should be quite easy, mm. but it's not. It's actually quite hard. And forgiveness, um, what it costs God is enormous at the cross and um and our forgiveness needs to flow out of that Uh, and so we've got to be careful as we think about that so we we not to set up the expectation of oh this person has really hurt me but as a christian i feel guilty that i need to forgive them but i'm actually finding that hard if that's if that's where you're at yeah that's Mm. the gospel you've actually understood what what god is carrying for you Mm. um So, I I just want to highlight there's a couple of things I I think we've got to be careful that forgiveness is not when it comes to forgiving others. Um, It's not minimizing the damage. So, it's not saying, oh, look, you know, it wasn't really that bad. That's not what forgiveness, that's not what God does. He doesn't go, oh, it wasn't that bad, but I'm still going to send my son to the cross. It's going, no, it was that bad. That's Mm. why I have to send my son. It's not not actually allowing abuse. Uh, So, I think sometimes we think, uh, I've got to forgive this person. They've done something bad. I uh, they promise not to do it again, but I know the habit is that they keep doing it. If we really loved them, we would actually say, I need to stop you from sinning. I need to stop you from abusing. And it may be me. So I need to actually remove myself from that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, they're, they're, that's a different thing. Um, sometimes it's re- it involves reconciliation. Sometimes it doesn't. Again, that's a, a, a much more complex thing. But generally speaking, again, our experience is it's sometimes it's it's not just a singular event. Sometimes you go, I forgive you. And then a couple of weeks later, you go, ah, oh, all that pain has come back up again. I've got to go through that process again. And sometimes we go, oh, what's wrong with me that I'm not forgiving like God has forgiven me? And again, actually, maybe you need to go back to the cross and see what God has done for you at the cross. Do yeah. you guys want to add something to that? Yeah.
3: Oh, I was just curious to... to sort of throw in a, another question um, as to uh, why, why does David go here when clearly his sin is, you know, mm. you know against Bathsheba and Uriah um, and in some ways like the, the nation of Israel, like as his responsibility as mm. king, why, why go here? With, like he's obviously trying to highlight something. Um, mm. So why why make a real emphasis of this point? Um,
1: yeah. yeah, I'm wondering whether it's got to do with the way that uh, the way Nathan kind of creates the accusation. So if you go back and read 2 Samuel 12, yeah. um, uh, the way that, um, that, that Nathan kind of tells the story is that, uh, and speaking on behalf of God, he says, God says, basically says, I gave you, I gave you the kingdom. I gave you all these blessings. I gave this. I gave you this. I gave you this. Now, what are you doing? And so there is a sense where, yeah, you did these things over here, but actually, let's face it David, this is between you and me right mm. this is this mm. is our relationship that needs to be sorted out and and he's going yeah you know what you're right i can i i can't put this on other people it this is between you and me i need to sort this out so i th- i wonder whether that's part of it but yeah, yeah. you got yeah. any
3: thoughts uh um i i think the i mean what you highlighted on sunday uh, uh, is what was most helpful for me. Just the reminder again that our, our sin is an offence against God, mm, mm. Uh, and I think we forget that because I think the um, the horizontal nature of sin is what's probably more before us. Like we that's sin true, yeah. and we hurt other yeah, people, yeah. and that's the easy sort of one. But to have the connection to go actually. You know, in your point there, sin uh, breaks God's heart. Yeah. I, I think was something we need to just keep reflecting and going back to to go actually, yeah, there's uh, consequences in the here and now of things we need to do and people hurt us and we hurt others, but mm. there's a fundamental nature of what sin is mm. that I think is really helpful what David points out here and mm. I think he rightfully pointed out for us on Sunday.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: There's something interesting there, I think. Like, it's such a. Um, forgiveness is not our default, in a way. Like, it, it so often, particularly if it's a, something bad that, like, really bad that's been done against you, so many emotions fly around your anger, your. You might hate them, you might. So many things run through your mind about what you want to do to them. And that's just for the person. And getting to the step of forgiveness for them, let alone the baseline forgiveness, like Dave was just talking about, of. That um that vertical yeah yes. vertical vertical <laughs> dimension um with God um that's the next step that isn't really considered unless you have that baseline faith and that that kind, that we would that we think about and um yeah there's something there like it, it's even forgiving in the first place is such a can be such such a hard thing to do and is not a default for us because of the state that we're in and there's all of the like, there's so much so much complexity here of like. Do we pursue un- unconditional forgiveness? All this kind of mm. stuff. Like mm. it's such an, a big area and a complex mm. area. Mm. Yeah,
1: I do want to do a quick plug. There is a, a book called Forgiveness by Tim Keller, which I think has been really helpful on this. Just uh, and and just being helpful for us to kind of go. Our our forgiveness does need to flow out of the forgiveness that's shown to us at the cross. And I think one of the things that when I am forced to have to forgive someone. Uh, There's a pain that's there but that pain actually helps me go back to the cross and then I go, yeah, uh, that's helped me to see the the beauty and the glory of the cross so much more clearly. Still don't want to do the forgiveness part but it's much, much easier when you see where you are in the cross, yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah, when I reflect on this verse, it almost feels like um, it, it can be received as when he says, against you only I have sinned to God, ...it's kind of like he's minimising the harm that he's done to Bathsheba and Uriah. But listening to you talk, I think that it's actually the opposite of that. Because when we see the gravity of what has happened to Bathsheba... ...who was basically raped... Um, ...although that's a topic <laughs> that that is under discussion. Um, and then Uriah is literally murdered. And so that's, that's very extreme abuse. Um, then we... And he says, against you only have I sinned. We're like, what? Mm. And I think it kind of magnifies the offence that we do, um, do to God when we sin is it's really bad. Like I don't think David's minimising the fact that he's really hurt these people around him. Mm. But by by sort of saying um, that I've, I've hurt you, God, like it really highlights how much our sin does hurt God when we consider it's equivocal to murder mm. um, and rape. Mm. Um, so, Yeah,
1: yeah. And I guess there's a there, – like I, I, I'm a little cautious about doing this, but I, there's a certain point where David could have uh, said, well, I'm an ancient Near Eastern king, right? Exactly. I've got all the rights yeah. to do whatever I want to anyone I want. Mm. So uh, I can just be like any other king and do whatever. Um, but he's chosen not to. He's gone, no, actually, I am under the authority of you, God. I can't just do whatever I want. So, mm. yeah.
3: You got verse three that sort of throws in there too, like you know he says my sin is always before me. Mm. Um, now, what that, what's the, what is he actually saying there? Is he saying it's before me, as in like it's the, yeah. it's in the forefront of my mind, or mm. is it that Bathsheba's hooked onto his hip? Mm. Um, yeah. You know, like there, there is a sense in which you could probably sort of understand a little bit that he he does understand. There's you know implications yes, uh, mm. for what for what he's done and the
0: actions that he's... And you see that in his response to Nathan. He's like, yeah. oh, that guy, we, hey, should, he, yeah. you know, we should really <laughs> punish that guy. And then he goes, the guy is you. And he's like, mm. oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which kind of leads on to our next question in a sense because he's crushed. <laughs> he's crushed by yeah. this realisation. Um, so verse 8 says, Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Is the you here, God? If so, is God in the bone-crushing business?
1: I'll be really interested to hear Dave's perspective. I'm <laughs> going to give you my, my thoughts on this, and then I'm going to—I'd really love to hear what Dave's got to say on this. But my, my answer is—is is he in the bone-crushing business? And the answer is, yeah, kind of, actually. Um, it, it was a when this question came up, I went, ah, oh, actually, just a great reminder that. I, and I guess a lot of us, we tend to fall into the trap of thinking, oh, God is here to make my life better. And um, God doesn't promise that. What he promises is God is here to make my life more like Jesus. And sometimes that's not actually nice. Mm. Uh, And um, sometimes it involves discipline. I'm just going to read a a quick passage from um, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, It's a great reminder of this. He says, my son, do make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart. When he rebukes you, for the, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Um, if you are not disciplined, then everyone who undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You are not true sons and daughters at all. Uh, and he goes on to explain a bit more about that. And I think that's part of what's happening here is that... Um, David's being disciplined, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's um, you've done the wrong thing, David. I need to put you through this hard thing, and um, so that you come out loving me more, appreciating my my mm-hmm. mercy more. So, I, I, yeah, um, bone crushing. Uh, I don't know whether that's uh, you know he, is he in the bone crushing business. Mm-hmm. He's certainly in the refining business, mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't know about you, but so often I go through those processes and I'm going, oh, God, okay, I've come out of this feeling really good. Can we do this without all the pain next time? Because uh, I'm sure we could have just skipped around that part and I would have ended up loving you more. But that's that's part of what God does. Mm. Dave, what, what's your thoughts on this one?
3: Yes. Um, uh, Petey's looking at me because I actually asked the question. Um, <laughs> and uh, because I, I do think it's something that in the psalm it's easy to – uh, you know just skirt over and you go, look, it's um, you know, yeah, 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 the bones you've crushed, you yeah. know, but w- without stopping to sort of go, the the you here is God. Um and uh he has crushed David. Like, you know, look, look, look David's response in here is like, well, like, you know. Uh and I actually think that's God's grace uh being shown mm-hmm. to David. Uh, And I think what it is is God pursuing David's heart with everything He has, Um, because how else is David going to see the enormity of the depravity that um, uh, he's uh, uh, he's he's done? Uh, He he needs his bones crushed in order that he be brought to his knees. Um, It reminds me a little bit of Ephesians too, that we're, we're God's handiwork, you know, like. Um, but we we need chiseling away. There's a great little skit, guys. Uh, do you, you guys know Skit yeah, Guys? Oh, Dan. Dan's shaking. No, 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 I heard of them. no, I don't know. Oh, oh, you got to check yeah. out them up! Guys. You're yeah. too young. indeed. Look at James, James says he's in the oh. room. He's he's nodding. So um, there's a great little uh, skit they do on God's handiwork and it's sort of God with the chisel out, like, you know, I chisel mm. this out and got to move this out of your uh, life. And it's like he, he, he sort of has one hit and you're like, oh, like that really hurts. Um, but being made into God's image, into, you know, the likeness of his son, I'm just not sure why we'd be surprised that that would be just a pain-free, pleasant walk in the park. Mm. Um, mm. That's not mm. what God promises for his children. Okay. Uh, and, you know, David here is one of God's children being disciplined by his heavenly father. Mm. Um, yeah. But it's, it's not a comfortable. comfortable – I feel like it's an uncomfortable truth to
1: wrestle with. No, but I think it's really important for us to wrestle with because it, it reminds what is actually God, what am I expecting God to do in my life, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think sometimes we get so disappointed with God. You're not doing your job properly, um, but he is. It's just he's not doing the job that you want him to do properly. You know what I mean? So I think it was a great question. So thanks, Dave. I appreciate you asking <laughs> the question. Pleasure. Yeah.
0: Suffering shouldn't take us by surprise as Christians, yeah um, as is reflected in many of the epistles, actually, which yeah, I've just been that's studying. Right. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on my mind. It's almost like God's surgery. Like I've had a little bit of bone crushing happen in my back by a neurosurgeon. That's an um, understatement, <laughs> <Bec>. <laughs> <laughs> and, um And yeah, but it was for my good. And without that pain, and that was even with anaesthetic, um, without that pain of recovery then I would have been in real trouble. So mm-hmm. yeah. So I guess God is in the bone crushing business, but only ever for our good. And that's, <laughs> that's part of that. That's right.
1: Fate. And and not beyond what we can bear. It's not he's not there to crush us. He's there to
2: make us better mm-hmm. and refine I mean, if you us. sorry, there you go. Dan. I was gonna say we wouldn't even have this psalm if Dave didn't get sorry. It, David, Dave, okay, I, Dave I'm not David. <laughs> David and there's Nathan the prophet.
3: Is not Nathan who works here. Someone oh. said to me, "Where's Where's Where's James in this
2: passage?" And so I'm like, he's in um, the book of James. Yeah. We wouldn't even have this passage if David didn't get crushed. He didn't. Have, yeah. We wouldn't have his confession. We wouldn't have the words that we have today without that. And yeah. So there's yeah. some good mm,
0: that, that yeah, God wrought yeah, out yeah. of David's sin. Mm.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you want to continue on the whole bone sort of analogy, like you know Ezekiel's, you know about the bones that are going to be raised up mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're feeling crushed under it, like there is a time mm-hmm. coming when we'll be raised in in glory, and you know those crushing moments won't be with us.
1: Actually, can I go off on a, a little bit of a tangent there. Yeah, because John John makes this big point about the fact that Jesus' bones were not broken right at the cross, and um, uh, I, I, there, there's been a bit of a thing about that in terms of, you know, how do we explain that in Lord's Supper? I'll leave that to another time. But I have thought, why, why is that? And then it's because he's got to walk out of the tomb, right? You cannot walk out of the tomb with broken legs. I mean, I, I don't know whether the transformation of the, the resurrection body <laughs> goes in there or whatever, but I just went... That's interesting. Like already, you've just got that preparation for the resurrection right there at the cross. But yeah, I don't know. That's just a little kind of side thought. But
3: yeah, yeah, I'd never thought of that.
1: I don't know how much to read into that. I just thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I reckon that his bones would be healed in
1: there. Uh, oh, there is that possibility, but I, mm. I just. I, but he
0: did have the wounds in his hands and feet. He
1: carries those wounds. Yes, he does. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. <laughs> anyway. thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, everyone's going. No, that would that. Yeah, that's interesting. We should pass forward through that. <laughs> uh,
0: all right. Well, then let's let's move on. Sure. Um, the next question, verse eleven yeah. says, "Take not your Holy Spirit from me." Mm. Can the Spirit be taken away from Christians?
1: Yeah, I think that's a it, that's that's a big question for David. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, because his predecessor Saul had that very thing happen mm. to him. So he's there going, "Oh my goodness." Saul, he fell apart. I saw what happened to his life. I do not want to go down that path. And um, so he's going, please, God, don't do that. Now, in the, in the Old Testament, there was no guarantee that you kept the Spirit. Like mm-hmm. it, people, not everyone in, um, in God's people received the Holy Spirit. Uh, some people at different times, uh, but not everyone. Uh, however, one of the great differences, so we, we have our Bible divided into the New and Old Testament, uh, New and Old Covenants, really. And part of the new covenant is actually all of God's people would receive the Spirit. It was a great promise that was made in mm. the book of Joel. And so when we see that happen at Pentecost, the pouring out of the Spirit, not just on a couple of people, not just on the apostles, but on everyone, it was it's a great, great moment. So uh, all Christians receive the Holy Spirit. and um, and But I also want to just temper that a little bit uh, because Hebrews 6, I won't read it, but Hebrews 6 does kind of allude to the idea if you really, really want to walk away from God, like if you really want to harden your heart, he will take the spirit away. He will let you walk away. Um, mm. So I, I just want to make sure that we, we have a great assurance in the gospel, but let's not let that assurance blind us to what we actually need to keep doing in terms of persevering. So, mm. uh, yeah, we, we have the spirit. If you are not sure whether you have the spirit, uh, if you're asking questions about Christianity, the spirit is at work in your life. So that's that's how you know. It's not a, a special mass mystical kind of uh, experience. Um, if you're one who is asking questions about this psalm, I can guarantee you have the spirit working in you. You would not be asking those questions without his work. But, yeah.
3: Yeah, so it, it feels like the, the New Testament pushes uh, us as Christians in, in different ways on it. Like yeah. you have the Hebrew 6 that says, don't – why are you going so close to the edge? Yeah. Like yeah. why are you messing around? Like don't – you know, just yep. keep loving trusting Jesus with everything you've got. Yeah. Uh, and then there's passages like Ephesians 1 mm. uh, 14 that says you've been given when you believed you were given the Spirit. it's yeah. a guarantee of your internal, inheritance that's coming you like yeah. and so you know for those who are maybe a little bit more tender-hearted yeah they're not going to the edge they're way from the edge going i don't know if i'm a Christian. i don't know if i'm <laughs> yeah. any good i like i'm so unworthy it, it so it feels like it pushes there's mm, pushing a pull. Mm, there is uh that goes on in there that um but i think we've got to hold both yeah you know as as strongly and as tightly as we can and, and there'll be times in our lives where you know one one grip might be a little stronger depending on yeah. how we're going yeah. and what's happening in life.
1: Yeah. I think it's uh yeah it, it is really important that we hold both of those in there. Um because if you hold one without the other, if you just hold assurance without, you just, you know, you, yeah. you're the lazy christian sitting on the couch waiting for yeah. Yeah, yeah, waiting for Jesus to come back. Going, okay. Well, what am I supposed to do? Whereas if you're if you if you just working, you don't have that assurance, it can be devastating. And mm. So yeah, we got to hold both of those. It's it's not easy, but that's that's uh, that's what we've got in front of us, and that's what we've got to do.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it, as well, it's a. Uh, in- it's a helpful principle to interpret scripture as the original audience would have heard it. Is yeah. what I'm hearing you say. Like yeah. in the Old Testament, the Spirit had a different role mm, mm. than in the New Testament, yeah, and so David's writing from an Old Testament perspective because that's, right. that's where he's living. So yeah. yeah, so that's really helpful to keep in mind.
1: And that's that's a big lesson in all of itself. Just make sure we're reading the Bible uh, in that where it's up to in the storyline. It can yeah. be. I, I, I had a friend who um, uh, back in the days where he had CDs. Remember CDs. Dave remembers. I still got I some. Have <laughs> I have I those. <laughs> hey, there we go. Anyway, um, they had these audio books on CDs before, you know, Audible and things like that. And um, the Harry Potter phenomenon had taken off. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went, Oh, we've got Harry Potter on CD and uh, we're going to listen to it on our car trip on our radio. And so when they got back from holiday, I said, How'd you find Harry Potter? And uh, they said, ah, oh, it was terrible. And I went, what happened? They said, oh, we're about three quarters of the way through the book before we realized that we had it on random. And so they were just hearing random <laughs> chapters throughout the whole thing going, I do not understand what's going on with this story at all. Um, and, but we do that with the Bible sometimes. We just mm. kind of put it on on random shuffle and go, I don't understand why this is not making sense. But yeah, you wouldn't do that to any other book. Why would you do that to the Bible? Yeah.
3: Mm. Can you imagine their experience of having a daughter?
1: <laughs> like, Wait, who's Voldemort? Like, what? (laughs) And hang on, what's this mirror thing? Yeah, yeah, it was just all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Oh, yeah. It's so good it
0: happened though because that's a great sermon illustration. Oh, it's great for me. It's terrible for them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, All right, our last question. Um, If societies are built on good people slash bad people, which is something that you talked about in your message, Mm. um, what's the divide today?
1: Yeah, so just to, just to go back and explain, um, part of what I explained in, um, in the sermon was uh, if we think about who whether people are good or not, uh, we can either think all people are good, um, which kind of falls apart fairly quickly. Uh, we could say that some people are good and some people are not good. And where is that line? And different societies have tried to draw that line in different ways. I think our society is in a really complex place. So I didn't actually mm. use our society as an illustration. Yeah. Um, and part of that's got to do with in previous um, societies that we've lived in and coming through, we would have fairly rational and um, ethical frameworks. Uh, for example, uh, utilitarianism is the idea that um, there are uh, you do the most good for the most number of people. Now, we didn't push that completely in that direction. For example, there'd be like, you know, five people down in uh, Westmead Hospital who need five different sets of organs. Uh, Dave's pretty healthy. We could just take Dave. Knock him off and harvest his organs, right? But we don't do that. I mean, Dave's, for example, Dave's a a great golfer, spends a lot of time golfing. So there's upsides (laughs) to all of that, really. Um, (laughs) But um, thank you, Pete. Yeah, Uh, but you know, so utilitarianism was actually quite a rational kind of thing, and we didn't, like I said, we didn't push it completely. But what we're actually in right now is a thing called emotivism, which is. Uh, actually, reacting against rational ethical structures, and it's basically I'm going to rage against something, and it's and it's always a negative emotion. I'm going to rage against this or that or whatever, and uh, the problem is that if you, and so if you don't rage against it with me, you become one of the bad guys, mm. and so uh, if I see someone, I mean, it, it's uh, this is where you get the whole cancel culture kind of thing coming in. Uh, you know, if someone had told a joke you know, 15 years ago, that's not okay today. We've got to cancel them. Um, and if you're not actually with me on that, then um, it's really, you know, you. I need to attack you as well. You're the bad guy. So the line is actually a very highly emotive state. And I, I've got to tell you, I've actually found it really hard to uh, talk with people about how they think about their ethical system in that because it's, it's actually, uh, when you go and read about it, it's actually a reaction against rational, Uh, ethical structures. It's going, actually, we're we're emotional people. Let's take that into our ethical structure. Um, But one of the big things about emotivism is there is zero forgiveness, Mm -hmm. right? If you have done the wrong thing, I will rage against you. And you can see this in our society. There is zero forgiveness. Uh, And that's why I wanted to come back to that that question we had earlier on about where does forgiveness fit? Um, And I think that's one of the great things where uh, as Christians, we can actually stand out and go actually I'm going to choose to forgive. And we've seen that in actually some high-profile cases. There was that terrible – the family who lost their kids uh, a couple of years ago down near Oatlands and were very open about the fact that they were forgiving of the person and that that was extraordinary. The media kind of didn't really know what to do with that because it wasn't the emotive Mm -hmm. – the the, the the reaction or emotivism that we're used to getting. So, mm. yeah, it's I think it's actually... So if you're finding it hard to work out that line, if you're finding it hard to do that, yeah, you're in good company. It, there's a reason for that. It's actually a really hard and complex kind of uh, line that we've got in our society right now, yeah.
3: Have you got resources, people to engage with on it?
1: Um not 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 easily there's actually not a lot that's easily accessible on this. Um uh, sadly I think probably the most accessible thing is is probably the Wikipedia page on emotivism, which goes actually goes through <laughs> yeah. the history and where it came from in the early twentieth century. Um but from, from
3: a Christian point of view? Like uh, if they were engaged, like Steve McAlpine's book, is that
1: Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's that'd be a good one to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Steve McAlpine's book, Being the Bad Guys. Being the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give that a quick plug?
3: Uh, I have it on my shelf. <laughs> have, you, have you read it? I've started. Okay, it's don't tell it. Steve that because I know him really well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm actually seeing Steve tonight, so I'll mention that to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember Dave Q? Yeah, he hasn't read your book, mate. <laughs> um, it's uh, no, that actually that is a great one. Uh, Being the bad guys, actually, kind of, I don't know that Steve actually goes into the detail of what the, the, the philosophy of motivism, but he certainly does go into here is how we can react to it here is yep. why we are often seen as the bad guys because we're not standing up and raging against everything and anyone and anything that you know it moves um, yeah, I, I my, my feel is that emotivism will run out of steam at some point because at some some point everyone's going to get cancelled and being cancelled will become a, a badge of honour. It's like I've been cancelled too. So yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Well, it's probably already heading that
1: direction. I would have
0: thought in yeah. some sectors. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know there are some comedians who are now starting to play up on that and go, yeah, cancel me, right? You know, I, I want to be cancelled too. Why? Yeah. Why don't? Why aren't you cancelling me? And yeah, uh,
2: yeah. Mm. Anything to add, Dan? I, I was, I was going to say in this one, there's an interesting like with that cancer culture, with the whole raging thing, there seems to be a lot around that of like tolerance and do you tolerate me and yep. there's intolerance. And like, that was yeah. when, when my brain went with this one was like the categories that we use now, I think, well, if you don't tolerate me, then you're a bad guy and you and you have to be cancelled kind of thing. So that yeah. was the, the categories that my brain went to when we were thinking about this question. But Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I actually, the other person that's probably worth spending some time on this again, she doesn't go into it in a great amount of detail, but uh, Rebecca McLaughlin, I think, mm. engages really well with this as an apologist. Mm. And so, uh, the um, the ten uh, confronting uh, questions every Christian should ask, or the ten that, and the one for teenagers, the one for teenagers, brilliant little book. If you've got a mm. teenager, read that and get your teenager to read it. So,
0: yep, mm, very good. Um, I think as Christians, we are uniquely placed to understand that we. Um, ...that we are all sinners. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of that um, emotivism that you're talking about... ...is pitching yourself as the blameless one... Mm. ...and then everyone else is doing the wrong thing. Mm. Um, Whereas Christians can have that humility to see that um, we are all sinners... Mm. ...and we're forgiven by God. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right, well that brings us to the end of our questions. What are we doing next week?
3: Uh, So we are Psalm 89... Uh, Nathan's going to open that up for us and uh, it's not a psalm of David uh, where it's a masculine um, I don't know what that is uh, of Ethan the Ezraite, um, and really it's focusing on the faithfulness uh, of God uh, and the way he's covenanted himself to his people uh, so I'll I'll leave all the rest to Nathan. (laughs) I want to steal any of his thunder or say this is how he's going to approach it. But Not um, the prophet. (laughs) Not the prophet. To clarify. Yes, the human.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I look forward to hearing Nathan fill in all the blanks of Psalm 89 and we hope to see you on Sunday. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'd love you to join us at Kellyville Anglican any Sunday at 8.30, 10.30 or 6.15pm. You can find out more information at www.ka.church. So come join us and see for yourself what he said on Sunday.